Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. Good morning, everybody. So welcome. Uh, if we haven't met yet, my name's Andy. I normally wear boots, but in the summer I wear trainers. Um, somebody saw me on the way in a couple weeks ago and was like, youth pastor vibes, Andy? And uh, I, I don't know if it's youth pastor vibes, it's just trainers. But uh, anyway, um, you're so welcome. Uh, if you're a guest or a visitor, we really hope that you feel at home. Um, I, I just want to, I suppose, bring you into a little bit of what Stu was talking about there around finances and giving. Uh, one of the highlights or headlines of Mark's kind of announcement a couple of weeks ago was that uh, this financial year, which will end in August for us, uh, we've been running at around a sort of five or six thousand pounds a month. Uh, the odd month seven deficit means you know well, you know what that means. So, um, but um, so we we announced that uh, we've we know the season we're in, we know the challenges we're all facing, uh, all those sorts of things. But one of the, I guess the crazy parts of my job is uh, getting to do life with all of you uh, radical Jesus followers. So two Fridays ago, family in our church uh, transferred eighty thousand pounds into our general giving account. Um, I'm, you're like. What do we do with that? Are we allowed to be excited about that? Is that, is, is your, like your face is. <laughs> You're like, is that sinful? I don't know. Is that, is that okay? <laughs> um, it's just extraordinary. We, we um, oh man, it, it, that, this part of my job is, is just is, is mental. It's a huge amount of money. We feel incredibly grateful. Uh, here's the really important thing, though, that, that um, we don't miss, because uh, that pretty much sorts our deficit out for the year. Um, but it doesn't sort out our budget problem <laughs> um, as we move forward. And uh, one of the things that's really important for you all to understand is a part of being in family and in community is that we carry things equally in terms of commitment and sacrifice. And we say this all the time, we talk about money, that we can't all give equally, um, but we can all commit and sacrifice equally, and that's really, really important. And as much as we uh, thank God and the open-hearted, radical generosity that is flowing uh, in our community, it's important that we don't ride on the coattails of that. Um, that we feel, for those of us that call this place home, that we feel able to be caught up in that. And so uh, I just wanted to bring you that update this morning because um, we, we genuinely endeavor to live as openly and as transparently as we possibly can. Um, John Wimber, who uh, started the Vineyard Movement, used to say this, discipleship is spelt M-O-N-E-Y. <laughs> particularly for those of us in, that live in this part of the world, uh, that if God doesn't have a hold of our money, he doesn't have a hold of our hearts. And uh, that's, uh, that's hard, but it's really, really true. Um, uh, so anyway, I, I just want to bring that update to you. We are so thrilled at what Jesus continues to do among us. And I am so humbled uh, to get to be a part of a community that holds their entire lives so openly before Jesus. Um, for those of you who were at Nua, sorry, hold on, hold on, some family news before that. It's Dot's birthday tomorrow. Um, I didn't see you sneak in at the back there, Dot. Dot, will you stand just very quickly? I'm not going to make you stand the whole time. Just stand for us.
we love you, happy birthday. Um, I'm not gonna sing, I have no musical accompaniment and that would be horrific. Um, but uh, if, you, if you missed uh, Nua last week, all I can say is I wasn't lying uh, when I said it was gonna be an extraordinary time. Um, we have a short video that we'd love to throw up that'll just uh, give you a sense of the weekend and then I wanna tell some stories uh, and then we're jump, gonna jump into the scriptures. So Lucy, why don't you go ahead with that video. Gary Bridge. The sense of God last weekend was just, uh, it was just incredible from uh, youngest to oldest. On Saturday night, uh, we shared David and Cheryl Bailey's story. They're moving to Ballina in the autumn to join in with what Jesus is doing uh, down there. And uh, Neil Alexander, who helped start uh, New with us, who owns the field, um, just nudged me and says, Andy, I really feel like we need to do a spontaneous offering for them. And I was leading the offering to hopefully cover our deficit for Nua the next day. So uh, my face said, great idea. And my heart went, oh no. Um, but um, we got David up and Neil shared and then invited people to just spontaneously give to what they were giving their lives to. It's just a really awkward moment where nobody moved. And I thought, oh, wow, this is going to be awful. And uh, then this little boy who's about four years old walked right up to the front with two 20-pound notes in his hand and threw the 20-pound notes at David's feet. And then this just wave of generosity erupted all over the tent. And by the end of the evening, I think there was about three and a half grand raised for, for, for David and Cheryl. Uh, there was a family up from south of Dublin, and they uh, had a family wedding on the Thursday before Nua. And uh, the mother of the bride, I think, brother who lives in Portugal was, was visiting for the wedding. And uh, he had the weekend free, completely anti-God, anti-church. Um, and she said, why don't you come to this thing we're doing County Down for the weekend? He said, what is it? And she said, well, it's a festival. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he, he came and uh, he gave his life to Jesus on Saturday night. I'm going to talk in a minute about some of the stuff that was going on in, with, with our young people, our teenagers, but 
One of my favorite stories from Nua, right, was we were praying for a lady on, on Saturday night who, um, I don't know if you've ever had a moment in your life where you felt like God was asking you to do something, but you didn't want to do it. You're scared, you're wrestling, and you're in this kind of feeling torn apart. She is in that place. In the middle of praying for big tears rolling down her face, she just said, I'm just Jonah. I don't want to be Jonah, but I don't know how to not be Jonah. And uh, we prayed for her, and uh, on Sunday morning, a man grabbed me at the back of the tent, Middle Eastern uh, man, and uh, he said, I am um, Austin Alexander's friend. So Austin is Neil's dad who started Northfield, which is the field in which new happens. Austin happened to pass away exactly a year ago last Sunday. And he said, I'm Austin Alexander's friend, but I've never met his son, Neil. Can you point him out to me? So I pointed Neil out. And later that morning, uh, Neil was praying for that same lady from the night before who said, I'm Jonah. And uh, the Middle Eastern man interrupted him, which was maybe a little bit rude. <laughs> um, and um, he said, Neil, I'm your, I'm your dad's friend. We've never met before because uh, I live in Nineveh. Like actual Nineveh. <laughs> so the lady who was getting prayed for as the interruptions happening, I guess, is maybe feeling a bit like, you know, gosh, this guy's rude until he said where he was from and then her eyes opened like saucers. And Neil said, I think you should pray for this lady. You know? And uh, she had the most amazing encounter with Jesus as uh, this man from Nineveh, his wife from Northern Ireland, uh, prayed for, for this lady. I mean, as I've kind of reflected on that this, this week, I'm kind of thinking like how New Testament is that story that, you know, in the Old Testament, Jonah has to get swallowed by a whale and spat out and dragged kicking and screaming, really. Uh, in the New Covenant, God just sends someone from Nineveh. Uh, it's like the prodigal son meets Jonah, you know. Um, anyway, it was just, it was extraordinary. Um, there was just such a sense of um, faith and hope and possibility. And I suppose, uh, um, I want to say two things in this moment. First of all, 14th to the 16th of June, 2024. I put it in your diaries. The tickets will come out in the autumn. Uh, but I'd really encourage you to prioritize being there. Um, uh, it really was an amazing time. But secondly, um, as you see from the video, um, Nuke couldn't have happened without you. And so many of you uh, served all weekend long and so hard in the run up to it. And uh, we're, we're, we're just constantly in the background doing all sorts of things. Sunday morning, we invited the prayer team up. And uh, I don't know if Lauren made it a requirement to be on the prayer team that you could only be in Lagan Valley Vineyard. Um, <laughs> that's kind of what it looked like. Um, and um, you guys just did such an amazing job. And uh, I just want to say thank you. Um, for how you served and uh, for what you made possible for, for so, so many people. So will you uh, give yourselves a bit of a hand for that? Uh, I want to begin our summer series. Uh, we've called this series uh, Dreams of the Future. And um, I, I spoke on Friday night at Nua about the eyes of faith. 
And in some ways, this is kind of part two, but it doesn't matter if you didn't quite catch part one. Um, it's, it's a word I feel like um, God has been stirring in me possibly for two decades. Um, and I, I really feel like this is something that the Holy Spirit is doing in the church in Ireland uh, at, at the minute. But I wonder if you ever heard that uh, saying um, that you can't take people somewhere you've never been. It's a bit of a leadership axiom, you know, that, that you can't lead people uh, somewhere you've never been. <coughs> James, would you get me a drop of water, please? Um, my kind of uh, belief is that's completely untrue. This idea that you can't lead people somewhere you've never been, it's, it's, totally, it's totally untrue. Uh, or uh, if it's true, I am disqualified. Because where I hope we go as a faith community is somewhere none of us have ever been, including me. The more truthful saying I think is that uh, we can never go places we've never seen. It's impossible to go places we've never seen. That the issue isn't have we been there before, the issue is have we seen it? Has the eye of our imagination and our faith been awakened to possibilities beyond what we have experienced in our lives? I want to read a fairly lengthy passage this morning that um, sort of frames this uh, for us. It's uh, the day of Pentecost recorded in the book of Acts uh, chapter 2. If you have a Bible, why don't you turn to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read, thanks mate. I'm going to read the first 21 verses of uh, Acts chapter 2. Come Holy Spirit. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like a, the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. 
The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, the one who fell on that ancient day, we welcome you. We invite you to come and breathe upon your church once again. Speak to us, we're listening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. One of the greatest gifts God gave to the church is her imagination. Let me say that again. One of the greatest gifts that God gave to his church was her imagination. The imagination is one of the most powerful forces in the world. It's our imagination that enables us to see places that we have never been. A liberated imagination unleashes the possibilities of God on the earth. A liberated imagination unleashes the possibilities of God on the earth. Listen to these words from Walter Brueggemann. He says this, the prophet engages in future fantasy. The prophet does not ask if the vision can be implemented for questions of implementation are of no consequence until the vision can be imagined. The imagination must come before the implementation. Our culture is competent to implement almost anything and to imagine almost nothing. The same royal consciousness that makes it possible to implement anything and everything is the one that shrinks imagination because imagination is a danger. Thus, every totalitarian regime is frightened of the artist. It is the vocation of the prophet to keep alive the ministry of imagination to keep on conjuring and proposing futures alternative to the single one the king wants to urge as the only thinkable one. Imagination unleashes the possibilities of God on the earth. It is my hunch that it is time for our imaginations to be unleashed, to be loosed on the earth. We are not great at that in this little part of the world. I don't know if you've spent much time in airports in different parts of the world. They're usually full of art and poetry and sculptures. Whenever you're maybe going on your holidays flying out of Belfast International Airport, just pay attention to the art displays. It's like bubble writing and cartoon drawings of Finn McCool. We have a really funny relationship with the arts in this place. They aren't valued, they aren't really funded. Um, and what that does is it shrinks our imagination. Any culture that has a disparaging relationship to art is a culture that's rife with fear and control. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and daughters, will prophesy. The prophetic ministry being talked about in Acts 2 isn't the ministry that we necessarily see at the front of churches. It's not the ability to get a word for someone. It's the ability to see a future that we've never been to. 
It's to expand the boundaries of what we believe to be possible for our lives, for our families, and for our communities. There's this funny uh, niggle in our culture that whenever we say someone's a dreamer, we're having a bit of a dig. Like parents in the room, how, how many of you long for your children to grow up and be known as dreamers? We're like, oh Lord, no. Our dream for our kids is that they would grow up and become well-rounded, whatever that means. The impact of the infilling of the Holy Spirit is not pious living, it's wild imagination. The impact of the infilling of the Holy Spirit is not pious living, it's wild imagination. One of the things that impacted me so powerfully at Nua was Saturday night, our adult session finished. Um, I wasn't paying attention to my phone through the service and whenever it ended, I looked at my phone and I had texts from Chris and texts from Amy and texts from somebody else in the youth team with two words that had been going on for a couple of hours, youth tent. And I thought I probably should wander up there. And so I wandered up to the youth tent, it was at the top of the field, and I kind of snuck in at the back and hid behind a screen because my daughter was in the room and I didn't want her to realize that I was there. And they'd been going for hours, literally hours. By this stage in our program, they were supposed to be in a silent disco. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen one of those. They're kind of weird. Everybody gets a headset that gets the same music, but nobody, if you don't have a headset on, you can't hear anything. Um, they were supposed to be enjoying a silent disco, but when given the choice to continue to worship pray for each other, uh, testify and prophesy. They went, give us that instead of some stupid silent disco. And I um, sat in the back of the room as they stopped their worship, they prayed for each other, and then they began to just share stories. This went on for about 45 minutes as they just, young people just walked to the front and grabbed the microphone and started to share about what Jesus was doing in their lives. I wept because the depth of pain that they articulated was pretty horrific as they shared what life was like for them. Anxiety, depression, self-harm, suicidal thoughts. And in those, that context and that backdrop, they talked about experiencing Jesus, community, and hope. 20 years ago, I remember because I was a youth pastor then, a good youth talk was all about destiny. Come to Jesus and your dreams will come true. Bad theology and bad talks, most of them. But what I noticed on Saturday night at New was something completely different. It was teenagers learning to experience God and believe the gospel in the midst of real suffering and trials and testing. My prayer for them as I listened and wept was that in that context, their imaginations would be loosed 
that the Holy Spirit would release in them a truly prophetic imagination that would heal our land. Because they see the world and life with Jesus much clearer than most of us. They weren't believing in a gospel that said, follow Jesus and your life will be great. Say yes and all the pain goes away. They were testifying to an experience of hope and life in the midst of trial. And it was real. And I thought here is a group of people that can actually hold what God wants to pour out in the world. You see, for for many of us, it's perhaps even a challenge to imagine a move of God. We're not even sure what that would look like. And Walter Brueggemann says so powerfully, the imagination must come before the implementation. My hunch is that some of our wrestle with not necessarily seeing what we long for is we don't spend any time trying to see it. We don't cultivate our dreams. We don't exercise our imagination. When was the last time with a friend or a spouse or even with your kids you began to just dream? What if anything was possible? What if God could actually do anything with your life? What would you long for him to do. Dreams come before doing, and church, it's time for us to see things. What does a healed, reconciled Northern Ireland actually look like? I said this on the Friday night of Noah because I, my fear is that many of us don't even know what the things we long for would look like. We know how they would feel but we don't know how to see them. And therefore, we don't know how to organize around them or move towards them. Imagine loyalist flute bands playing in Croke Park on All-Ireland Final Day. Imagine GAA delegations marching in 12th of July celebrations. This is what a liberated imagination looks like. Things that we don't dare dream of being possible. The evidence of healing, reconciliation, and supernatural forgiveness flowing in our lives and communities. There's this really interesting couple of sentences in the second half of Verse 17 of Acts chapter two, your young will see vision, visions, and your old will dream dreams. This, remember, is the evidence of the Holy Spirit at work in a people, that the young will be full of vision and the old would dream. We've lost our way. We've been formed too much by the world and the older we get the less we dream and that is a tragedy. This is one of my favorite quotes of all time. G.K. Chesterton says this, because children have abundant vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until they are nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exalt in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exalt in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be an automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. 
It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never got tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy, for we have sinned and grown old, and our father is younger than we. For we've sinned and grown old. We've lost a holy vocation that is entrusted to us when we receive the Holy Spirit that as we age, we would dream. That we would dream. Sin does many things to us, but two of the most dangerous things that it does is it steals our capacity to dream. A life of sin is a life robbed of the ability to dream. But the second thing it does is it turns whatever dreams we have in on ourselves. Sin removes our ability to dream for communities and turns those dreams inward that our imagination is full of what we want, need, or see for ourselves. The deliverance of God releases us to dream for those who cannot dream for themselves. The young will have vision and the old will dream dreams. In other words, the dreams of the old are supposed to fuel the vision of the young. When you sit round Sunday lunch tables, when you have toddlers on your knee, what are the things that you're whispering into their souls? My prayer is that they would be wild dreams. Dreams of possibility and hope for the sake of everyone. This is what elderhood is for. And we have a crisis in our society because our elders have abdicated their responsibility not to control, but to dream. To dream. It is our elders who are supposed to dream and to dream no small dream. I was chatting to a retired uh, GP last week at NUA. He finished his career in performance improvement at a national level in the NHS. You can imagine how much crack that was. And I asked him what he saw as a solution for the crisis that we are living through in our health service. And this is what he said. He said, Andy, we're in miracle territory. He went on to say that in the next 10 years, the church is going to have to find itself at the forefront of providing health care for the poorest in society. This is the reality of what we see. The crisis in the NHS is no longer a political issue. It's a justice issue. And it requires a prophetic imagination to seek supernatural solutions for the challenges facing the voiceless and the marginalized across our society. 
This is not a social gospel. It is the natural outworking of the Holy Spirit alive and at work in the church that our dreams of the future would be in response to the nightmares of the age that we live in. That we would find ourselves at home when we face impossible challenges. that our imagination would be liberated and unleashed. And friends, this requires work. It requires effort. Yes, it is a result of receiving the Holy Spirit, but then what we receive needs exercised and worked. My boys have started doing press-ups every morning. It's been going on for about three or four months now. One of them in particular, months ago, could hardly do five proper ones. And um, now he can hold like a proper like chin on the ground, press up for 30 seconds, and then continue to do it. What's happening? He's working his muscles. And when we talk about this idea of dreaming, of imagination, of possibility, it doesn't work if you don't work if you don't take the time to invite God by his spirit to fill you and then to partner with him in the space and place of your imagination. I want you to do an exercise when you get home. Get out a piece of paper and try and write your name with the hand that you don't normally write with. What you will discover is that you can. You just have to concentrate and the way you write looks like a child. This is part of our recovery of a childlike faith. That whenever we engage in things that feel unnatural at first, that feel hard, that even feel juvenile, rather than feeling silly or intimidated, we would feel encouraged and released and that we would not give up because we cannot abdicate this work to someone else. for your family, for the street that you live in, for this region, for Northern Ireland and for this island. We are moving into a time, the next few decades, where the world will need people who have a wild, hopeful imagination, who see supernatural solutions to the world's problems. And not all of us are gonna be engaging at governmental levels, some of you will. But all of us, all of us every day will find our feet in ordinary lives, in ordinary homes, in ordinary streets where we must cultivate possibility full of hope. James, why don't you guys come on back up. The last verse, 21 of Acts 2 says this. the result of a people full of holy possibility is that everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. There's something about our cultivation of possibility and imagination that creates an atmosphere of salvation. That people see something so radically different and so full of hope in the midst of difficulty, trial and stress that they say, I want whatever you have. 
I need the source of all that fuels your heart and vision and life. If you're able, will you stand? Invite, uh, just invite our awareness of the Holy Spirit to increase. Then we're going to worship for a minute or two, and then I'm going to invite you to come uh, to the front, and we're just going to pray for for each other. But um, just where we are right now, just very intentionally open your mind, your heart. If it's helpful for you to open your hands. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Come, Holy Spirit. 